I want to read you this story of 2 Kings chapter 6. What I want to give you this morning is the axe head principle. It's a very brief story in six verses. It's unusual as well. And it says this in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he said, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and he took it. Now that's an unusual story, I would say, wouldn't you? about Elisha and the school of the prophets. And let me help you understand what I believe God is saying and applying this story to where we're at in our lives today. First of all, it's about, as I'm going to interpret it, the building of the kingdom of God. The school of the prophets were those who were being trained in speaking the word of the Lord. And of course, Elisha was the head of that school, the chief prophet of God. And so what they're doing is declaring the Word of God. And this is what we're to do to build the kingdom. Would you agree? We're to declare the kingdom of God. But it needs to grow. It needs to expand. And so what we must do is we must go forth and begin to cut trees. And begin to take the Word of God to take the nations. As Jesus said, now therefore go. And so we go out to go and cut the trees and make an impact of the kingdom of God into the earth. And so the prophets represent the church and Elijah represents Jesus. Now the axe head cuts through the nations to build the church, to call forth people, to build a house unto the Lord. We're living stones, or if you will, living logs. And as we go and the Word of God cuts into our lives, we gather those logs to build the church, to build the kingdom of God. What's interesting is that axe head is the two-edged sword. It's the Word of the Lord that we use to cut into people's lives. That's how we get saved. That sword speaks truth and it cuts through so that we would fall unto the grace and power and truth of the living Word of God. Amen? So, this axe head is double-edged. It has two edges to it. And we're going to see in a minute what that double edge means. Now, what happens is, you have a man who is working, and as he's cutting, and cutting his trees down, he's chopping, and as he chops, what happens? The axe head goes flying off, and he keeps moving along, he's chopping, and nothing's happening. A little bit of futility, wouldn't you say? It is very non-effective to try to cut down a tree without an axe head. And he goes, ah, I lost my edge. I lost my tool. I lost what accomplishes and gets the word done. And so, brothers and sisters, the prophet says, where 
did you lose it? And I believe that's what Jesus is saying to the church today. You've lost your cutting edge. We don't impact this culture. We don't impact this society at all. Where did we lose the axe head? Where did we lose the cutting edge to the voice of the gospel? People are unaffected by the gospel today. And so I would believe that Jesus is speaking to the church saying, where did you lose it? Let's ask ourselves exactly what did we lose? We lost the cutting edge of the gospel. Can I tell you what the cutting edge of the gospel is? Okay. You said that with eager anticipation. I appreciate that. Yes! The cutting edge of the gospel is the judgment and wrath of God. We preach the gospel with the grace. That's the second edge. But grace means nothing unless you understand the holiness of God. Unless you understand that God is holy and righteous and will judge the world. And every human being is under the condemnation of that judgment. It has no cutting edge to it anymore. If you're only speaking grace, it's like saying, would you like sugar in your tea? Well, I don't want sugar in my tea, thank you. Because unless the world understands they're in need of a Savior, they're not going to ask for one. Does this make sense? We've lost our cutting edge as the church. And the church has become a sweetener to life. Look at the books that are being put out there. You can have the better life, the best life. You can have this, you can have that, you can have this. If you take Jesus. Well, I don't want Jesus. Well, that's okay. All roads lead to God anyway. So what do we need a church for? Well, to gather and have fun. Someone lost the axe head along the way. And you can't build the kingdom of God or the house of God unless you have the cutting edge to cut the trees. That's what I believe this is a message for. When did we stop speaking the judgment of God? When did we stop representing the true gospel? Where did we lose it? It fell into the sea, uh, into the waters. And in Scripture, water is a symbolism of the people groups, the nations. And so when this axe head was lost and sunk to the bottom of the people, it really represents that we lost our axe into the waters of our culture. We've embraced our culture so much, we've stopped preaching the judgment of God. Because that separates us from our culture. And we want to be liked by everybody. So we've softened our message. And we no longer carry an axe head, we just got a stick. And so we try to wake people up with a stick. Bunk, bunk. There's no cutting power to it. They get irritated by it. Stop speaking this grace stuff, this Jesus stuff. And of course, many others just really love it. They're happy just to have a little stick to play some tunes with. But we've stopped preaching. If you'll remember, what did Jesus preach? When Jesus came, He said this, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Why would Jesus say repent? Anybody got a clue? Why would Jesus say repent? Aha! Because the world is under condemnation. Right? See, John 3.16 says, So loved God the world that He gave His Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse goes on and says that those who reject Him are condemned already. This world, every human being is born in sin. That's the entire book of Romans that Paul's trying to tell us. There is none righteous, no, not one. So it's not just a matter of would you like Jesus or not. It's a matter of the entire world is going to hell. I was at our van uh, last week and uh, we bought a little love seat and, and uh, uh, the guy found out that we were, uh, I was a pastor and he said, so are you one of those hellfire and damnation preachers? And I said, well, hell's real, isn't it? He said, well, yeah. And I said, well, I preach the salvation that will deliver you from that hell. Oh, well, that sounds good. So I invited him out to church. I don't know, are you here today? It's not here yet. I'm happy to say the last salesman uh, that we bought something from was here uh, a couple months ago, so maybe this guy will show up. But you see, it was interesting to me that the man asked, are you one of them hellfire damnation preachers? Now, Now, what preacher shouldn't be? Are we warning a world that's dying and going to hell or are we trying to win friends and influence people? We've become Dale Carnegie classes. That's all the church has become. And so this axe head has been missing and Jesus said, where did you lose it, church? Where have you lost it? It's in the sea. It's in the people. Paul said this in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The wrath of God has been revealed. Can I tell you, in fact, that's what I'm going to be doing the next three or four weeks is taking us into a study of the wrath of God. It's bubbly and exciting and fresh and wonderful. It actually is because what the wrath of God will highlight for us is the joy of our salvation. Thank God for our salvation. We've been talking about evangelism. What good is evangelism unless we can feel and smell the flames of hell? We've got to be a motivated people and become aware that the wrath of God has been revealed. Can I share with you where the wrath of God has been revealed against all mankind? At the cross. The wrath of God was put on public display. And that's the two-edged sword that took place at the cross. That the wrath of God was fulfilled through the love of God in Jesus Christ. Now that's an axe head that can cut into the lives of people to build the kingdom of God. And so we see that really the church lost that axe head into the pond, into the world, into the nations. We no longer lead and we no longer cut. We just get absorbed i find it interesting that it got baptized into the world the church got baptized into the world when jesus wants the church taken out of the world and baptized into him john the baptist warned of this and he said i will baptize repentance with water but he will come baptizing 
with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's a living, powerful thing, isn't it? And so, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The gospel, the good news, is that we have a Savior to save us from the wrath of God. And we're going to understand why the wrath of God is essential to know Him. We back away from it for so many people because we think that it creates a bad image for God. Well, God asked us to be His representatives, His PR people. Let's not misrepresent Him. Let's represent the reason why God has wrath. He has wrath against sin. But He loves man so much He gave His Son. It's a beautiful story. It's a two-edged sword or an axe that cuts at the roots. Now, what's important for us to understand is this, that as the man said, Master, it's borrowed. It's not our own. We can't save this world, but we've been commissioned to do it. We've been commissioned. We've been asked. We've been told. We've been commanded. You go save the world. I can't. Here's my axe. Build my kingdom. We sang it this morning. Build my kingdom. So the tool we have, that axe head, that two-edged sword is the Holy Spirit. It's borrowed. It's given to us. It's not ours. I can't do this on my own. How about you? When they had to go build their household to grow the prophet's school and to build up that house, the, one, the man said, I got nothing. So he had to go and he said, could I use your axe? And he had that axe. And as he's using that axe and swinging away, he, he didn't notice it was not secure. He had lost it. And as he's swinging. And so the question is, what have you done with the tools God has given you? We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the Bema seat. Bema is a Greek word for an elevated platform. You and I will go there. It's not determining whether we're saved or not. It's not about whether you have salvation or don't have salvation. We will have salvation and we will appear to Him. And it's for reward. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says, now you will have, according to your works and what you've done with the Spirit I've put in you, either you've gathered wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. And the evaluation will come at 1 Corinthians 3, and the question will be asked, what did you do with the tool I have given you? This man had lost it and said, I've stopped using it. I, I, I misplaced it. So God has called you into His kingdom. He's given you the power and the glory of His Holy Spirit to reside and live within you. Where is it? Are you using it? You're accountable for it. And we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as He asks, what have you done with the Spirit I have given you? Would any man dare say, hey, it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. It couldn't accomplish what I wanted to get done. Really? Because what's the task he asked us to do? Basically save the world. Now is the church going to come before the Lord Jesus and say, hey, you know, you're asking too much of us. We couldn't do it. Why not? Mm, We were busy. We had other things to do. 
What is our task? Let's get back on task. You ever work with someone who gets off task? Huh? You ever work with someone who who takes too many breaks or goes over this way and what started to be the job now becomes something else? The church lost the accent. Look at this is borrowed. We're responsible for this. There is a weight to what we've been asked to do. We are responsible for this generation. We're responsible for this city, in this state, in this nation. We are responsible, brothers and sisters. This is a gift given to us by God. And so it's borrowed. So we need to get it back. Would you agree? It's not our own. But it's something He's given us that we could accomplish. Now, I don't know about you, but we could not do this without a miracle. We needed a miracle. We need one who will come and do something to restore the church. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Elisha comes to them and he says, where did you lose it? Where is it? And they point, we lost it here. And he takes a stick and he takes that stick and he throws it into the water. Now I find that fascinating. Now there's a couple scenarios that could have happened. I think through these things. I try to imagine. Now there's a couple ideas I have. One is that the stick is floating across the water and it floats over to where the axe head is underneath it and just miraculously calls that thing up to where the axe head floats. That's possible. Hey, it's a miracle. Anything could happen. Right? And he threw a stick in the water. How many of you remember when Moses did that? At Marah, uh, where the waters were bitter, right? It's the same representation. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is the thing that satisfies the judgment of God. The judgment of God that we've stopped preaching about can now be satisfied when it is accompanied with the cross of Jesus Christ for our gospel. Here's the second idea I kind of have that he threw the stick in the water. And I think the stick went in the water, went down, submerged, and slipped into the axe head and brought it back up to the surface. Why not? Why not? It's a perfect fit. What is the handle of an axe head? The stick, the wood. And that axe head is made to be mounted upon that piece of wood, isn't it? It would make perfect sense to me Again, it's a miracle. It could have happened any way it went. But what makes perfect sense to me is that the axe head was made to be fitted upon that stick. And that stick went and satisfied the axe head and brought it back up to the surface for all to see where it was supposed to be placed. The wrath of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God was not forsaken. It's not ignored. Grace does not disqualify it, but fulfills it. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law. The law is not done away with as far as it's non-effective. He came to fulfill the law. That means it's functioning fully in the righteousness of Christ so that we might fulfill the righteous deeds of the law, Paul says. Does this make sense to anybody? The cross is the perfect handle for the holiness of God. 
where God's anger and justice against sin was fully satisfied at the cross of Jesus Christ when God poured out His full wrath against the sin of mankind. Therefore, the love of God met the justice of God and glorifies God eternally. Amen? That is the gospel. That is the church's message. It's a sharp, two-edged sword that will declare the purposes of God. It's something to celebrate and to rejoice in. And so what did Elijah say to the man? Anybody? Anybody? Pick it up! I find this fascinating. In so many stories where there's miracles... God has to then tell the people to receive them. Right? With Lazarus, somebody unwrap the dude. He's going to suffocate and die. I just raised him from the dead. Unwrap him. Here an axe head floats and they're all going. So what does Elijah say? Pick it up. And it's the same thing. We've got a glorious gospel of good news that God has declared over our lives that we have escaped the wrath of God which we so deserve, eternal damnation because of a heart that is desperately wicked. But He has come and healed us and transferred us out of Adam and into Christ and given us a heart that now beats with righteousness and holiness in love to God the Father so that we can fulfill the perfect law of God to love Him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body. And as we love Him now, we can love our neighbors. Because the tree went down to retrieve the axe head and unite them together. Pick it up. Pick it up and get back to work. Begin to cut into the lives of people. I quote John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." That is the message now. We've lost the axe head. The gospel is this, that the wrath of God has been exposed. He will judge sin. He is a righteous judge. I must warn the world, you're going to hell. And the wrath of God is upon you. Can I preach to you that there's good news? God so loved the world, He came and took that wrath and punishment for you. You see, the world doesn't know the gospel. They don't know this anymore. It used to be common knowledge. But people have no clue when you say, do you know the gospel? They'll go, yeah, Jesus died for my sins, and I don't understand a thing about it. They don't understand why Jesus died. Can I tell you that a large percentage of the church doesn't understand why Jesus died? 
Well, he just loves me and he died for me. I, I don't know why. Honestly, ask your brothers and sisters in the Lord why Jesus died. Many of them don't know those because God loves me. What does that have to do with it? Well, I don't know. He took my sins away. How? I don't know. The axe head is dull. When you talk to other Christians about the wrath of God, they go, well, he's not that bad. I don't know about that. I don't like all that Old Testament stuff. He seems so mean to me. It's like, you don't understand your Savior. You don't understand what it cost God. You don't understand how great this salvation is and how righteous and holy God is that He would put up with this sin for so long so that He could have His church bring another into the kingdom. But we're all swinging at trees without an axe head. Jesus came and John said as a witness to Him, the axe is laid right at the root. He's gathering His people now. Now is the time the axe must be sharpened. I don't know if you've been watching TV or not, but would you agree with me now is the season to sharpen your axe? Is there a time? People say the Bible's irrelevant. This cracks me up. I'm, 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 you're kidding me? Every nation in the news, right? Every nation in the news, Israel, Babylon, right? Persia. Oh, that's not their names today. Half the people don't understand it, right? Syria, Iran, Iraq, right? They don't understand. Those are all the Bible names of Jesus' time. And you're telling me the Bible's not relevant? Every nation in the news is every nation in the Bible. And it's not relevant? And should we be irrelevant? We're the only ones who have the real story. Oh, please. Pick up the axe head. Pick up what's floating on that surface. What a miracle that God restored it and brought it to us, His church. The Gospel is to be declared in all the earth. It's the cutting edge, our testimony of the holiness of God and the love of God. Church, we must begin to truly understand how to preach this Gospel. And if we're going to preach it, we must understand the holy wrath of God and the good news of His saving Son. Let's bow our heads.